Hi, Megan. Hi, Kelly. Can you believe it's been, it has really been two months since we pushed play? You know, it's so funny because it's one of those very common phenomenon phenomena where you're like, it feels like it's been no time, but it also feels like it's been years. And I totally feel like that. Well, and I think back like over the last two months, all the things that have happened in both of our lives, like the changes. And I was thinking that today we could really just talk about things that maybe we're working on from either an emotional standpoint or um, I don't know, work or anything that comes to mind to, because I always feel like with our episodes and even the in session, I'm telling people how, you know, what to do <laughs> or how to think or how they well, should they're, be you they're know. tuning in to hear you tell them what to do. So. Yes. But I do want people to know, like we're human <laughs> mm-hmm. and there are definitely things, I mean, even within the last few months that I've been working on that, I will continue to work on and new things in the future will come my way that I will have to work on. So, so yeah, I thought we would just have a brief conversation about that and, and, and just talk maybe a little bit also about feedback um, on the podcast and some of the analytics, because I think that also ties into um, like expectation, like where's this podcast going, like internally, like within my mind, some of the things that I, I'm not struggling with, but I definitely think about often. And I don't want this to be something that I'm grinding away at. And right now I don't feel like that, you know, I really enjoy this. So, um, so one of the things that I wanted to talk about that I am working on is, you know, I, well, and you do a lot of things too. So maybe you can relate to this. I'm not sure, but with all the things that I do do, um, I get, I often get overwhelmed and I have found over the last like three or four weeks, uh, I've been turning to games on my, on my phone (laughs) and it's usually, um, I have found that I, I turn to them when it becomes like a kind of a procrastination situation. And so I just wanted to bring that up. I don't really have an answer for it other than I told myself last night, this whole week, I'm not going to play any of the games that are on Mm -hmm. my phone just to try to get out of that, um, that rhythm. But do you have anything like that? Oh, absolutely. I, I, when I find myself usually scrolling more through social media than I am procrastinating. I know that I'm procrastinating and sometimes I just need to, sometimes it's good to just switch your brain off a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I know though, when I'm like, okay, I, we, you know, I've been doing this for quite a while or I've done this for longer than normal for multiple days in a row. And I'm usually pretty good at like, you know, having that self-awareness for me when I know that I'm off of my rhythm or slipping into a different rhythm a little bit. Um, and what I do appreciate about myself with one of the main things that I, uh, use for procrastination is I love reading. So I feel like if you're going to do something wrong, (laughs) but at least it's reading. Um, but I've been like that 
literally since I've been able to read it, that's been my, um, my way to escape. I mean, that's a very mm-hmm. common thing, but it's been one of the main things that I turn to. And so I, in fact, felt quite overwhelmed this weekend. And I believe I was poloing you about mm-hmm. it on mm-hmm. um, Marco Polo, which um, someday maybe they will sponsor us here on the podcast. I gotta but... remember to tag them in all our yeah. social media posts. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I was um, telling you this morning that I you know, I read a lot more than I had intended to and probably more than I should considering the amount of um, things that I wanted to get done at the house. Um, but you know what? It's okay. I, I'm yeah. like, I, I, yeah, I mean, I think as long as it doesn't um, interfere with like responsibilities, but right. just as you were talking, well, a couple of things came to mind. One is that um, I was trying to link back, why am I so attached to games? Because I've actually stepped away from social media quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And so I've not been scrolling as much, but in place of that is yeah. are these games. And yeah. I was just thinking back about how like we had the, you know, when Atari first came out, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't even know what year, but I think it was before the 80s. Or maybe around 1980. We had one growing up. It was very cool. And it was, I mean, I just remember being just mesmerized by it. And then when my son Dylan was old enough to, you know, play Xbox, I would be playing, you know, Mm -hmm. Halo with him. And for Mm -hmm. my, I think for my 30th birthday, I got the Halo 2 game. I I didn't know this about you. I love learning this. Yeah. And so I <laughs> I actually do love, I'm not going to say I'm a gamer by any stretch of the imagination. No, I'm just, I just really enjoy, enjoy it when it. I'm in front of it. Right. Well, I do know that you love Roller Coaster Tycoon because yes. I love Roller Coaster oh, Tycoon. Yes. We've talked about this. Oh my gosh. So many memories with the kids on, on yeah. that game. Yeah. Pushing the kids out of the way so that you could play. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Making sure I had enough memory on the computer to download the game. But yeah. And then the second thing that I thought about was, you know, the last four weeks I've actually not had class, Mm -hmm. which is a huge like load taken off my shoulders. So what the hell is going on that I feel overwhelmed and want to kind of escape. And while you were talking, I'm like, oh my God, I hate housework. Like Like there were a lot of things that I wanted to do to kind of get organized and I've done none of them and school started last Monday. Um, And so I just, yeah, that stuff, definitely something that I need to kind of self-reflect on, you know, what does it take my own medicine, right? What I'm telling everyone else to do. (laughs) Yeah, it's very difficult for us to do that. Um, I got a little bit of the organization bug this weekend and I'm very glad that it that bit me um, because I haven't had it in a while and I, I do enjoy organizing and, you know, tidying up and stuff. Not, not that if you walked into my house, you'd be like, wow, she's really tidy and clean, but I enjoy, you know, decluttering and how good that feels. But I, I get a wave of it for a while and then it goes away and then I like reject all housework basically until it comes back and so I was glad that I got a little bit of the bug on Sunday morning (laughs) so (laughs) I was able to put that to use a little bit but um yeah I definitely needed to escape into my book and it was great and I found myself really like 
like getting really, really into it. And it, it's one of those where like when you're watching, well, when you're reading a really good book or you mm-hmm. watch something really gripping on TV or, and then when you're, when you stop and you just kind of like, you have to kind of reset like, oh yeah, I'm in the real world. And so I, uh, I haven't had that in a while because I hadn't been reading as much. And so I kind of missed that. And so it kind of felt good to go back into that escapism really, and yeah. kind of, you know, fall into this novel that I was reading. And it's kind of fun when you, you don't even realize how into it you are. And then all of a sudden you like look up from the page and you're like, Oh, whoa, I'm, I have the real world that I'm actually living in. Yeah, so or a, you don't want to yeah. stop. Right. Yes. Um, I have a I question didn't. for you about books. So okay. have you, cause I think this happens to me when I read a book that I connect with and it, and it's just another thing that actually happened like a little over a week ago. And I'm wondering if that has contributed to some of my like procrastination and Mm -hmm. wanting different ways of escaping. But I just finished the book tomorrow, 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 and tomorrow and tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And when I closed it, because I was done, I had like sorrow, you know, like Mm -hmm. there, like Mm -hmm. it, it definitely affected me. And I'm just wondering if, if that has ever happened with you in a book. I know. I know the answer. I mean, yeah, no, I, I mean, even the, I tend to read romance novels. And so even those, which, you know, objectively speaking are less, you know, they're more fluffy and less, have less emotional weight and all of that. Even those, I'm like, I don't, I don't even want to read the last like 50 pages because I know that it's going to be the end. And it's even books that I've already read before but Mm -hmm. I I get so consumed by what I'm consuming and and this is part of the reason or one of the main reasons why I can't watch anything scary any horror anything Mm -hmm. even thriller stuff yeah because I get so involved emotionally involved in whatever I'm consuming that I have to keep it to like my certain my certain genres that I know are going to affect me in a more positive way and um, so, yeah, when I'm reading, even if it's something light and fluffy, I I have a really hard, I have like a heartbreak every time that I. Yeah, that that's I how I felt. Something. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I find it interesting because, you know, if you look at escapism and you talk about, you know, social media scrolling, it definitely leaves you with a different kind of feeling, but it's still the mm. same like emotional toll, right? Like the right. toll for like the weight not not the same emotional feelings but the weight of it or playing video games and wasting freaking 2 hours of your life <laughs> so crushing embarrassed to say Halo. that yeah totally crushing it and <laughs> um making the best damn you know roller coaster in the world oh goodness, like yeah. those i mean it's it's i don't know that reading uh, is a time waster. I don't believe so, but I guess if we escape and we stay in Mm -hmm. that and those Mm -hmm. feelings, then it becomes a little bit of a concern, but right. Right. Yeah. Well, it was at least a peaceful time for me using this, um, using reading as a coping mechanism for my overwhelm that I was feeling. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that it's, it's just as long as you recognize, okay, I'm feeling overwhelmed. I'm starting to need to escape <laughs> from all of my feelings. I need to do a reset and, and you know, kind of get back on track, right? Maybe there's something with my normal schedule that I can 
modify that so that I'm not feeling as overwhelmed. Sometimes we don't have control over that. No, that's for sure. Yeah. If we do have control, then it's good to just recognize, all right, okay, I'm using, I'm playing, you know, I'm playing roller coaster tycoon a lot and I need to, (laughs) I need to cut back a little bit, you know, on the RCT. So I think as long as you're aware and you're like, you're, you know, smart about it and use you turning it into a positive way to reset yourself. I think then that's yeah. fine. Um, so Maria Thomas, who we've had mm-hmm. uh, as a guest on the podcast, reached out and we're going to have another interview with her. Um, we still need to schedule that. But one thing that she had brought up that I had already been working on is just kind of like relationship with food. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, and what I've come to understand, I think myself better and just something that I wanted to share as kind of a topic to talk about is that I've found that I used to do a lot of emotional eating that has lessened, but Mm -hmm. where my relationship with food can still improve and be better for me is whether or not you know, I'm actually working out or being active and consistent. So mm-hmm. that's the new, like kind of thing that I've understood about, or I am understanding about myself is like, if I'm working out and I feel productive in that way, mm-hmm. I find that then the intake is cleaner and more yeah. purposeful. And, and it's just yeah. been an interesting thing where I know a lot of people know this. It's very, that it, it, that's not a secret. You know, it's not right. something that, oh my God, I just discovered this amazing way yeah. to eat more healthy. <laughs> this, people talk about this all the time, right. but, but it just, it doesn't always resonate and it doesn't resonate until you actually go through experiences and you start thinking about things a little bit differently. And I uh, started reading a book called The Endurance Diet and it's for discover the five core habits of the world's greatest <laughs> athletes. It's not a diet book, but it just talks about how, um, you know, world-class athletes, they eat everything they eat from all, you know, all the food groups and, and all of that. And that's what I, I just needed to read that and hear that. Yeah. And obviously I'm not a world-class class athlete, but that doesn't <laughs> stop me from eating, from eating better and making sure that I'm touching all the food groups and focusing on vegetables and stuff like that. But anyway, I just thought that that's something else that I'm working on. Well, and that you talking about how it, it's so easy to slip into that type of poor dietary regimen and not exercising enough. I mean, that's something that just like you said, that is no secret. Everybody knows Mm -hmm. if you eat healthier and you exercise and keep your body moving, you're most likely going to be healthier. Like it's, it's so obvious, but our specifically our society, but we're not the only ones, of course, but we're, we're quite known for it here. We, everything around us is telling us to be unhealthy and that is everything from the food that we consume to the the habits that we have and the lack of exercise or the lack of movement in general in our daily lives and again that's no secret either but mm-hmm. we're so used to that everything around us is telling us to be unhealthy but then also selling us a product that's convincing us that we're you know, inferior and we need to change everything about ourselves. Mm -hmm. So we're constantly in that cycle of feeling awful and knowing that we need to be healthier and we need to be better, but 
not in a way that's really constructive or helpful at all. And then when everything else in our lives, you know, at every, everything we see, everything we consume is basically geared towards keeping us unhealthy. Of course, it's going to be really difficult to do something as simple as like, make yourself a healthy dinner and get some right. movement in during mm-hmm. the day. And so yeah. I think that, you know, we have all of the odds against us here. So it's really hard to do those simple things. Right. And I think to something that Maria said, you know, the yo-yo dieting and the diet culture. I mean, everything you just said is that is how that culture is built, you know, in in keeping us uh, in buying the latest diet or buying the latest app. I was just talking to someone over the weekend who said, you know, I've downloaded every possible workout app that there is. Mm -hmm. And I have done I have done the same thing and it's, it's partly searching, but also I think it gives, uh, or at least has given me the idea that, well, it, there's like a non-committal in doing that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's the commitment still isn't there, but I will say, I mean, before, like at the end of April, I started doing a certain workout with a group and that has really changed my perspective as well. Um, and so yeah. So those are, you know, the things that I still think about and work on and, you know, and I know a lot of people that are listening or doing that too, or they're trying to figure out what works best for them. Right. Yeah. So what else is going on, Megan? Um, You know, I've been switching it over to like mental, what I've been mentally thinking about lately, if that's fine to switch mm-hmm. it over to that. Absolutely. Um, I've been, and this is kind of the theme that I've been going with for the past really couple of years, but I feel like I've, I've been thinking about it a lot more. So like, you know, each month I feel like I'm better and better at being able to do this, but I've been thinking about meeting people where they're at when there is some type of conflict or issue that I'm experiencing. And so if there's something that's going on, whether it's like an issue with a family member or an issue in the workplace or something, thinking more empathetically about what what's probably going on in that person's head. Like, does this need to be something that I genuinely need to be super concerned about or that I need to freak out about it or react in a way that makes the most sense to me when maybe if I stop and think about, I mean, and what I'm saying sounds really like, duh, you know, not, I'm not saying anything that's breaking news, but it's really hard to actually Mm -hmm. do that in practice. And so I've had plenty of very difficult conflicts to work through in the past five years. And so just thinking about, okay, wait, what is going to make the most sense for this person that I'm reacting to? You know, they're telling me something, they're responding in a way that is not clicking with me, not how I would handle the situation, but I'm responding in a way that they're, they wouldn't want to do or that wouldn't make sense to them. So I've been thinking a lot lately, like anytime anything, even really minor comes up, if something happens at work and I'm just like, why, why would this person handle this this Mm -hmm. way? And I'm like, well, that's because that's what makes sense to them. So just trying to think about that. And that's been really helpful for me. It helps me when I do get stressed or feel the burden of some type of conflict, it helps it just be lessened and not last as long. So I feel that stressor 
And then it feels like it passes a lot sooner than it used to, where I used to be so consumed by it Mm -hmm. and be so over worried and over analyze it and just stay stressed for so long when the other person wasn't stressed. I was like causing that stress for myself. So that's something that I've been really focusing on a lot lately. I mean, and that is part of self-reflection, right? It's, it's because self-reflection isn't just how it's the other side of all of that turmoil that gets created or the, the mindset where you're just overthinking things. And it's just like this constant cycle and you literally can't get out of it. But when you start to think about the other people and, and understanding them that I actually, sorry, I'm going to say one thing. So in the class that I'm currently taking for summer school, we watched a Ted talk about single story perspective, and I'll put a link Mm -hmm. in the um, I almost said in the bio, in the yeah. show notes. Um, and so it's, it's having this, this way of like the story that you hear about someone or that, you know, is the only story about them that you focus on. And that, that the idea that then all of our views about them are based on that single story doesn't serve them or us. Right. And mm-hmm. so what I hear you saying is, you know, being more empathetic about, that there are obviously other things at at work here for that person and how right. can i meet them to mm-hmm. kind of you know not only it's a self soothing like internally you're helping yourself but you're right. also helping the relationship and i mean honestly when when we're able to do that it opens conversation yeah right it opens more conversation and and, and instead of i mean i know oh my god i mean there were days where i would replay a conversation that I had with somebody where maybe I didn't say the things I really wanted to say. And I would be up until 2 AM that night saying, Oh, "Oh, this is what I would have said, or, you know, like replaying this conversation that had already occurred and all the things that I didn't say, or I should have come back with or whatever it was. But when we start thinking about things from maybe a little like 10,000 foot view, rather than like, face-to-face, things kind of open up for us a little bit more. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, uh, it's a lot more relaxing to take that approach and I'm not a very relaxed person. So I'm going to take anything that I can get (laughs) to help me chill out. Well, it's, it brings a lot of peace because you're, it's not Mm. the internal struggle anymore. Right. I mean, and it gives grace like to the other person and to you. And, and it also says to me, like, Hey, I'm, I'm not the only person in this situation and I'm not the only one that has to, you know, spend all this time thinking about it. Like we should be Mm -hmm. doing this together, you know? And then also on the flip side, I, in doing this, remind myself, I'm not that important. Like I'm not consuming this person's thoughts Mm -hmm. the way that like I'm consumed with this situation. Like they're, I'm not that important to take up that much mental energy from that person. And so it's okay to just like, not worry about it so much. There are certain things, of course, that you need to spend your immediate attention mm-hmm. on and that you do need to be concerned with. But, you know, 99% of the stuff that we worry ourselves with, right, you know, isn't as big of a deal as our brains make it out to be. And it's very relieving to take that pressure off of yourself. Like, oh, it actually doesn't really matter. Like this person is probably not thinking about you nearly as much as you're thinking about yourself. And it's, so it's been really nice to, whenever I do feel 
again, not that this is, you know, applicable for every single situation, but all of the times that a year ago, the same type of stressor, the same type of interpersonal conflict when it comes up, even if it's something really small, or I would have been like freaking out about it for a week straight. Now I'm like, that that kind of sucked, but okay, well, is there anything I can do about it right now? No. All right. Well, I have a lot of other things that I'm mm-hmm. working on with my life that is making me happy, little projects I'm working on and stuff. I'm just going to go focus on those. Like, And that usually solves a lot of conflicts or at least yeah. lessens the pressure for both sides. Because when you're not like freaking out about something, chances are if the other person gets a little concerned, then they see that you're not as worried and they're like, oh, okay, maybe this isn't that big of a deal. So it kind of helps. Yeah. And it made you just made me think that not every instance where we have internal strife needs to be resolved with the other person too. Yes, Right. Like you make a great point. And I think it's important to note that not everything. Yeah. Yeah. That's been really, really difficult for me uh, because I naturally tend to be a problem solver and you and I have talked about Mm -hmm. this before. And so when there is any type of conflict, be it an interpersonal conflict or or anything, I almost immediately switch into how can I be the one to fix this? It's my responsibility to fix it, whether it is or it isn't. Mm-hmm. I, go, I slip into that mode. And sometimes that comes in handy, but a lot of times it doesn't. And a lot of times it just doesn't necessarily make the situation worse, but it brings unnecessary stress into the situation. And it's just like you said, it's not necessarily on me to fix everything. And it's also some things don't need to be fixed. Some things just they are. Sometimes you just have a weird, uncomfortable interaction with somebody and you might kind of piss each other off a little bit. But then it doesn't need to like be anything more than that. You know, like sometimes things just they kind of happen and it's fine. And it doesn't need to be like this gigantic resolution and Sometimes it's just fine. It's interesting that we're going down this path because um, on this Friday, I'm going to do an in-session about closure and it's super, super short. But over the last month and a half, the the idea of closure has come up in so many conversations that I've had that the fact is you actually, some people just don't get closure, right? Or mm-hmm. And, and th- that's, closure I'm probably talking about is something a little grander between like, like massive relationship issues and stuff like that. But it's a little bit about what you're talking about too, because sometimes we have to figure out a way internally to close that loop on our own. And we're, and it's not necessarily the other person's responsibility because the strife is truly within us. Like it's how we view ourselves in the situation or what we think our responsibility is. And if we can objectively look at that and all the things you just said, like, is it actually my responsibility? Mm -hmm. If it's not, then, then we do have to learn to let go and to not hold on to that. And as our, you know, I don't know what the term would be, but you know, absolutely holding the torch for something that actually doesn't need to happen. Yeah. And it's been really, it was really scary when I was going through, there are a couple relationships in the past few years that for me, I basically was 
I guess, fighting for or putting in a lot of energy to try to maintain it in a way that fit my expectations Mm -hmm. for what the relationship needed to be. And kind of all at the same time, this all came to a head, like completely separate relationships. But there were a couple at the same time where it, it was like the same realization hit me all at once in these separate directions where I'm like, that's that's how the relationship is. And that can be okay. I can just accept that I don't have to, you know, manipulate that relationship to be something that fits an expectation that I have just because that's what it's supposed to be for this type Mm -hmm. of relationship. It doesn't have to actually do that at all. I can just continue on with my life and they can continue on with their life because Mm -hmm. like, sometimes it's just, it's simply not the relationship just won't move forward in the same way that it was before. That's fine. Also, sometimes somebody wants something out of a relationship in a very different way than you do. And even if you feel you don't necessarily agree with that, that's how it is. They're also their own human being with their own expectations and needs and desires. And, you know, you trying to manipulate the conversations and the relationship to go in a certain way is going against their expectations for what they want. And so you can usually tell if you're trying to fix some type of conflict and the other person is uh, receptive to that and they, they want to move forward in that way. And if they don't, it's okay to just let that go. Yeah. And that's fine. Even if it's a close relationship where you, where it seems, you know, on the outside or to society or to the people around you who aren't in that relationship it might seem strange to them, but it's not necessarily how it needs to be. Yeah. That's a great, I mean, you know, that we have an episode of breaking family ties, Mm -hmm. right. And so that that's, that's a great comment to, to that subject as well. I mean, there, sometimes it just doesn't work out and Mm -hmm. friendships are like that too. I mean, referring back to our friendships or episode, same thing. I mean, these are all things that we are all so unique and come to the table with so many different aspects. And sometimes those aspects just don't cross over. And I think we are somewhere or somehow taught that we have to do everything possible to make those relationships survive and and we have to persevere, but Mm. that does actually a lot of harm to us too. You know, it's a lot of stress and And also sometimes we're in modes where the communication, we just don't know how to communicate our needs to each other Mm -hmm. Um, and relationships fail because of that too. So, you know, this is making me think cross-culturally and this Mm -hmm. is, you know, this is, I'm gonna, I almost always bring everything back to this uh, because it's very interesting for me. And I think it's really helpful to get a different perspective on whatever you're thinking about, you know, expand your world. But I think and people can disagree with me or people can bring me evidence that's, you know, supports something else. But I think a lot of those expectations that we have for relationships comes from, you know, the class system from especially where we are from like Western European type of societies and governments and where everything had to be up until pretty recently, if you look at history everything had to be very proper. And, you know, you were expected to act a certain way, your relationships were expected to be a certain way. And it it really hasn't been that long that we've 
we as multiple cultural cultures and societies, you know, in the world have been kind of breaking away from that. Things are getting a little bit more relaxed. We can actually talk about mental health in a lot of area in a lot of, um, you know, countries before when we couldn't do that. But I'm wondering people who did not grow up in our type of society, people who grew up in a very, very, very different type of society in a very different part of the world, if they have, especially cultures that are more collectivistic and it's much more about the community, everything you're doing is about helping the community. I'm so curious about this, you know, this type of nuance and the expectations of relationships with family members or with friendships or romance and how they view small interpersonal conflicts and the expectation. Like, are there the same expectations? My guess is not, but I'm just really curious about Well, and American culture or the United States individualism, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, is totally counter to collectivism. I mean, the idea that we don't want to be told what to do and we don't want to follow traditions and we don't want to, you know, those people that have those um, individualistic views, um, they really do step away. But, but at the, so I've taken classes recently that talk, in depth about this. And it is a true conflict. I mean, yeah, it's, it is, where is there, it gets a line drawn in the sand and, and we have further interviews uh, about, or further episodes and interviews about breaking family ties where the topic of family first comes in Mm -hmm. and, and how uh, that's ingrained in our culture. Kelly, you're muted. Sorry, my cat mm-hmm. is making so much noise. I'll have to try to figure this <laughs> out. Um, so I don't even know where I started. <laughs> you, nothing that you said came through. So you were talking about other cultures and viewing. did I talk about individualistic? You talked about individualistic, okay. yeah. So I think what I was saying was there's an episode that we're going to record, which is an interview with someone who wants to talk about the idea of family first and how breaking that um, idea and stepping away from the family unit because for mental health and we'll figure all that out in the interview, hear that, um, that goes against that, that uh, collectivism ideals. Mm. Right. And so it's just, it's this line where we do need to be, we need to think about ourselves and we need to care for ourselves. And it doesn't matter in my mind, if you have family members that don't care for you and are actually really toxic, it, it can't be because you can't stay because that's the way that the family is, or it's about the community. Yeah. I mean, that's how I feel. A lot of other people uh, won't leave those systems because of how they've been raised or how tied that they feel to them mm-hmm. um, and the influence that it has, right? Because well, if you I- don't have that, what are you going to have? That That's the scary part. If you leave right. your family or you sever ties, what 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 do you have to fall back on is the idea. Mm-hmm. And that, that idea keeps people rooted with those toxic behaviors and those families that do that. Well, and what I'm curious about is again, cro- like thinking about somebody who grew up in such a, such a different world and in a, 
we'll just say to be general in a collectivistic society, I wonder what their family issues are like if they're even the same, because are the family issues that we're kind of vaguely talking about right now, where you're having all the toxic behavior and does that type of phenomenon, does that type of behavior come from individualistic ideals within the family unit or does the same thing happen in collectivistic societies, probably a little bit of both, but I'm just really curious about like how much of those problems come from us, you know, or the people around us, you know, like the, the narcissistic parent that you have, does that narcissism, because I hear that a lot, Mm -hmm. does that come from our society kind of fostering that behavior or does, is that just going to happen no matter what? And if you're in a community-based family is it harder to break out or if you're in a a family where or you're in a society where everybody's working together everybody's mentality is about helping each other out Mm -hmm. are some of those toxic behaviors lessened because everybody else around you is always thinking about how to help the community well i mean it's the outward versus the inward right Mm -hmm. and so i mean i guess you would surmise from that, that a community-based mindset would be more about other people rather than that internal need or what's Mm -hmm. going on in your head. So I get what you're saying about behavior and, and how, like whether or not a toxic behavior that because I'm, uh, you know, live in the United States and have grown up in this culture, Mm -hmm. I see it as toxic, but with someone from a different culture, believe that that's toxic or that's just, you know, just a behavior, just, or does that even show up? Like, does that type of toxic behavior really show up? Because if they're, you know, taught from birth, how to not be narcissistic, because they're focusing more on taking care of the community around them, then maybe that doesn't show up as much. These are the important questions that we're asking here on the mm-hmm. podcast. And we need people who grew up yes. in collectivistic societies to write in. Or we need to ask a prof- one of our professors to come yes, on and have that conversation because it is fascinating. And I think also it, it kind of goes in line with that single story concept or perspective mm-hmm. where, you know, we, and, and I will say, even in this podcast, maybe that's how I've come at it is a singular way of thinking when really, you know, we, I want the podcast to be able to be listened to by anyone and Mm -hmm. for anybody from, to be able to pull something from it. Mm -hmm. But, (laughs) you know, it's probably doesn't come across that way because of how, like how I, my own experiences Mm -hmm. in, in the way that I grew up, you know, Mm -hmm. it's very interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We're asking hard questions here. Many of my professors from Oregon state are uh, listening and they want to hop on real quick then. Well, and I can, I can maybe reach out to my women's studies professor because Mm -hmm. this, I mean, you know, this would be something right down her alley. Yeah. See if she'd Mm -hmm. be willing to do an interview. That'd be fun. Um, So transitioning just a little bit to, um, I had mentioned at the beginning about the podcast analytics and Mm -hmm. something, you know, I do look at the analytics and I'm trying just, just like social media where Mm -hmm. you look at some analytics and you think, okay, I really need to do X, Y, and Z to boost whatever. 
but I have actually been just enjoying looking at like the towns, you know, the, the cities that are coming up on the analytics, Seattle happened mm-hmm. and Davis happened to be like the top two. I don't know. I mean, I know a couple people in Seattle. Seattle. Yeah, yeah. It's really strange. So who knows how that all works or how it gets pushed out on the internet, but it's um, yeah. And then uh, people from England are listening and um, yeah, it's just really amazing. Our demographic from ages are women between the ages of 40 and 65. <laughs> so those are, that, that'd be my peer group. Um, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so I thought that that was really interesting. And I just, um, you know, I just look at it cause it's, it is fun to look and see, well, one to make sure people are listening Mm-hmm. Yes. That's also important. <laughs> yeah. Very important. And then two, just to, you know, I want to make sure that what we're doing is fun and it's purposeful and, you know, that we both find meaning and it's been two months and it's been pretty incredible. Like I've really have a lot of, um, I don't know. I feel like we're doing good. I think so. And it's funny that you say the word fun because um, some feedback that I got, uh, well, I mean, it was overall positive feedback, but from some of my friends, local Davis mm-hmm. people, um, they said that they sat down to listen to our podcast um, as they ate dinner and it was the loneliness one because <laughs> I'm starting and they were like, um, we didn't know it was going to be such a heavy podcast as we sat down to eat a casual dinner. I'm like, yeah, that um, probably wasn't finished at dinner. You probably had to switch it over to something else and then go back and listen. Yeah. Later. Well, so I would think funny. that the name might give away right. some of the topics, that's but, true. but yeah. when I say fun, fun for me, yeah, yeah. <laughs> fun, it's that. fun for me you know, yeah. because it's filling a need. It's feeling, you know, a part of something that I want to do. And yeah, so that's when I say fun, that's what I mean. It mm-hmm. might not be fun for the listeners. No, I've had yeah. feedback that people cry. Oh, yeah. you know, when they've listened to the podcast. And, and by the I, way, we love making people cry. We do. We want you to think differently. And sometimes yeah. that opens <laughs> up the floodgates. <laughs> but we also want we also want people to be feel seen. Right. Like, I mean, that's why I talk about some of the experiences that I've had and especially in my childhood, because I know I'm I'm not the only one. I mean, everyone has had some type of experience. Mm-hmm. And so I feel it's necessary to to talk about my family. Yeah. <laughs> Whether yeah. they like it or not. But no, yeah, I'm just kidding. Too bad, folks. Yeah. No, but it, you know, and of course, I mean, fam our families go through things all the time. I mean, right now we're going through several things. And so it's just always good to let people know that they're not alone in this world and, and that other people are experiencing similar things. Yeah, I know we all are, we're all going through stuff. It is pretty crazy when you stop and realize like, oh, all families are pretty much the same. Yeah, They seem different, but yeah, really, (laughs) truly. Yes, absolutely. So, well, Kelly, are you feeling, um, how are you feeling about all of your things that you're doing? You're always doing a bunch of stuff. Yeah, I feel, you know, I've let go of um, a lot of social media work that I was doing and Mm -hmm. that, and so that's been like three or three and a half months. And that was huge for me to, to 
say no to income was really, really hard because mm-hmm. um, I'm always trying to drum up money and, and <laughs> that's just how, how I am. Um, yeah. And yeah. And so then I also, you know, I'm feeling good. I'm actually creating some boundaries that I definitely wouldn't have done like a year ago. I mean, if mm-hmm. someone says, will you do this and I'll pay you, I'm just like, yes. And mm-hmm. now it's like, I actually can't like, I, the small amount of time that I have with nothing scheduled, I actually really need that. I need that mm-hmm. to be unscheduled. So I've said a lot of no's to volleyball uh, coaching mm-hmm. and I, I'm okay with it. But then I did find myself, someone's like, my daughter really needs, I'm like, oh, okay. Like immediately I said, okay, I didn't even, <laughs> didn't even think <laughs> about, you know, so there's some habits that need to be broken, but right. Yeah, I'm feeling good. I will say just as an example, I um, had to take summer school because Sac State changed how they uh, do run their semesters um, with the continuing education program. And so unexpectedly had to take a eight week course. And I spent, I mean, and I was sobbing, like crying because it was just such a disappointment. I was really looking to like a really light summer and just having uh, just a ton of time to do whatever I wanted to do. And so mm-hmm. um, the, the the disappointment was huge. And if like I'm married and I had to tell my husband, hey, this weekend, I'm going to just start crying and it's all right. Like you don't have to do anything. It's just me getting over myself right now. <laughs> and I did. I cried like there were times where I'd just be sitting there and I'd just start crying. <laughs> And I had to throw myself like a little pity party. And it, it was so like freeing to actually communicate that to him because it felt like I could then literally cry whenever I needed to. And I didn't have to do it in my room, you know, with a closed door or anything like that. And we were on the golf course and I did it, you know, it was ridiculous, but I had to like, let the disappointment and emotions go. And it was coming off of a really hard semester of school. And so I really didn't want to do a summer class. Um, and so it was just feeling all of that overwhelm at once. But so I do suggest, you know, it's okay. Like just being disappointed as something as silly as that we have those emotions and we, sh- we need to be able to let them out, you know, so, well, that- because it often, if we don't let those seemingly minor things, if we don't release those emotions, then what happens is it all bottles up. And then yeah. when something that is actually minor is the last, you, you know, lose tipping point. Yeah. yeah. And so <laughs> it's better to just regulate those emotions. And if you need to cry for a weekend and throw yourself a pity party, I love when I throw myself pity party weekends because then I feel so much better afterwards and yeah. it's like out of my system and then I'm ready to move forward. So it's a uh, much better in the long run to just, yeah, I highly recommend it and letting, you know, your partner or anyone who's not, uh, comfortable with other people crying around them, just give them a heads up and release them of that responsibility Mm -hmm. they feel to make things all better. But yeah, so I'm doing pretty good. How about you? Good. And it's so funny that you say that you 
have um, set those boundaries and stopped doing social media and stopped coaching because I done the opposite. And I started <laughs> doing social media work and I started teaching dance classes. And so I've done the exact opposite of you. Uh, but it's so far, it's working well. These are things that I've been wanting to do for years, as you know. And um, so it it's a lot when I look at my schedule right now, especially compared to like, three months ago, I'm like, what was I doing with my time? Because I have no time to do nothing That's right so now. Funny. <laughs> and so yeah, it's crazy how much it's changed. But um, it feels really good to be heavily involved in dance again. And whenever I'm teaching, even though this is very new, um, these classes that I'm starting to teach it, every time I'm teaching, literally, no matter what it is, when I'm in that role, I feel so, I feel at home. I feel so mm -hmm. good. I am, I just have always been like that. And um, I really miss coaching gymnastics, not the, you know, the bureaucratic part of that always comes along with coaching, but um, the feel of teaching people how to do something. And so I miss it. Uh, and so this feels really good to be back uh, teaching gymnastics or teaching teaching dance. So even though that's very different than coaching little kids in gymnastics, it's kind of not that different, you know? Yeah. No. Um, so it feels really nice. And, um, and then, yeah, I've started to do social media, um, heavily now, like I have, um, I mean, I would say an official position, but it's not like a, you know, I'm not doing a full-time anything, but I'm doing, you know, side work basically, but mm -hmm. it's like, it's more official than what I've done in the past. And that feels really good. Um, to kind of have that creative outlet and be doing work that I enjoy. And of course, making extra money is always mm -hmm. really nice, um, when it, especially when it is something that you're enjoying. And so that's been feeling really good doing that. And then the Harry Potter podcast that mm -hmm. I do, um, I've been doing a lot of creative stuff for that with one of the co-hosts and that's been really fun. It's been such a good creative outlet and I know that my co-host feels the same way. So um, that's been, well, all three of us, you know, with our different roles that we have, we've been really enjoying all of a sudden being like, Oh, I guess we're doing a podcast now. Let time to be creative and time to just jump right on into mm -hmm. it. And it, it, it's good that we did that because we didn't take any time to think about it. And anyways. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm also um, busy and I, when I do get overwhelmed, I just open up one of my romance novels and just read and escape a little bit. And that feels really nice. But yes. I finally feel like, you know, I pushed really hard for the past couple months, as you know. Mm -hmm. And now I feel like I'm finally kind of in a more regulated um, rhythm with all of these things that I'm doing. So, and they were all slightly staggered. They didn't all start the exact same week, all of these, right. you know, side things that I'm doing were all a little bit staggered, which of course helped a lot. Um, and so now I feel like I'm much more um, able to kind of get in a good rhythm and a good pattern, uh, which feels really good. It's not not pushing through, not pushing super, super hard anymore. It's like everything's just yeah. kind of evening out. So yeah, yeah, I mean, that's great when it all works out. And I was going to say, you know, as those opportunities came to you, you, you were, you had been waiting for opportunities, right. Yes. To come your way. And so yep. I think that that 
And then you could say, you could, I felt like you were in a, a headspace where you could say yes or no, depending on mm-hmm. how you were feeling. And I think that that's really important because that's like having presence, like you're in the present moment. And even though it's something that you really, really wanted, it had to work out for you, right? It had yeah. to work and meet meet you where you were. So I think that that's just important to note that that's yeah. where I was saying yes without being even <laughs> in the moment. And so I just like admire that you, you know, were putting yourself in a position where you could honestly assess it and then make the right decision for you. So, yeah, well, I mean, it haven't always, haven't always been able, no, but it's such, it's progress. Right. And I think, I think that's really good. Well, and another thing too, just my, my last wrapping up thought, because I, I think that this will be helpful for people, or at least other people will be able to relate to this. So with this new social media, um, consultation that I'm doing (laughs) and then with dancing as well, you know, I feel, but particularly the social media one, I feel a lot of, um, I guess judgment from people that might not be supportive of it because they might think that maybe they're more qualified or, you know, it's like, why are you the one who's doing this or whatever? or maybe nobody's thinking about it. Maybe that's one of those things where I'm like, everybody's thinking about me and they have all these (laughs) feelings about what I'm doing and nobody's thinking about it. But, you know, I have to, I've had to remind myself recently that I have been waiting for something like this for a long time. And I've been taking those small steps, like steady steps to getting here. And I finally had an opportunity present itself that totally made sense for me, at Mm -hmm. least for now, who knows how, where I'll be in a year, but it really made sense with what I want for me, for my life. And it's, it just, and that's all I could say is that it just made sense. And I have to remind myself that I have been working for this for a long time when it, when I have that imposter syndrome or that self-doubt kind of creep in and I'm like, Oh, well, do I deserve this? Should I be doing this? And I'm like, well, of course I should. It's something I want. I've been working hard for mm-hmm. it and it's okay to say yes to something yeah. that you feel like other people might not fully support you for. Well, and I have to say that one thing as an observer of everything that you've gone through over the last couple of months, that you have been a hundred percent authentic to mm. yourself. Right. And mm-hmm. so that came through like the presentation, FYI, mm. it's a huge account that she's managing on social media, like enormous. And so I just want to say that when you did your presentation and you showed it to me, I mean, Mm -hmm. I was dying laughing because it was so you Mm -hmm. and it was crazy, Megan. Like it, like, yeah, it was very outrageous. It was outrageous, but that is also you. And the fact that you sent that to them who, I mean, I don't know if you'd consider them a corporation, but I mean, it's big. And Mm -hmm. so I thought, oh my gosh, like how awesome is it that you are presenting exactly who you are Mm -hmm. to these people and Mm -hmm. they are like, yes, that's what we want. Right. And so that, that's also something I would love for people to recognize is that one of the reasons why it works so well is because you were nobody other than exactly who you are, you know? And so that's. And, and cool. it's not that that's going to work in every situation of because if that was going to work mm-hmm. in every situation. I would have been doing this forever ago, right. but it was the right opportunity. And I knew I was so conscientious about what I was doing. And then with dancing, same thing, even though they're, those are very different things, 
I'm doing what I know makes the most sense for me to do. And what I know is going to be the right step for me, whether it's exactly how I want things to perfectly work out, not necessarily, but I know that I'm being very authentic and I'm doing what mm-hmm. makes sense and I'm just trusting myself. And yeah. that's, that's new to be like going so like full force mm-hmm. into what I'm doing with that mentality in quite a few different areas right now. And so I just really encourage people in general, because this can cover a lot of different um tasks or projects or whatever, whatever you're thinking about, something that you want to go for, just do it, be you and go for it. And not that it's going to work out perfectly every single time, but it's way better. It feels so much sweeter to get something. And it's more often going to be the right thing for you that will come back to you when you are putting yourself out there as you and not like curating yourself to be something that you think is going to fit their mold because you might get something, but it might not be what's actually right for you Mm -hmm. when you're approaching it in that way. I love that. Mm -hmm. Be you. I mean, I think that's a great way to end the episode. What do you think? Mm -hmm. I think I loved it. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Okay. Thank you everyone for joining and we'll talk to you next time. Bye.